0: Los Angeles is an ever changing city, with many moving here to be part of its industries like fashion, entertainment, and music. It's also a very brown city, with its Spanish street names and cool, iconic brown neighborhoods and some of the best Mexican and Central American food in the country. Yes, I said that. Hello there. I'm Drew Barrias, and I'm brown. I'm an LA native. And this is a conversation of what it is to be a brown person in this city and our different narratives. What do I mean by brown? Chicano, Latino, Latinx, Chicana, Central American, South American, Caribbean, and anybody who recognizes themselves as one. I want to change your perception of the myths and misconceptions of who we are. This is not to offend. This is just to educate. This is being brown in LA welcome back to the show today we're going to welcome dr rocio rivas longtime friend i think i've known rocio since i was a kid
1: A while ago yes yes brings back memories
0: (laughs) dr rivas rocio hi what do you do
1: um let's see i currently am working for um school lausd school board member jackie goldberg i am her um, i work on policy i'm research and policy deputy so i work for her representing board district five which encompasses a lot of the northeast area part of los angeles and also part of the Southeast um, incorporated areas of LA, so that's what I'm currently professionally working on.
0: So I feel like talking about politics, I feel like that has a huge correlation with education.
1: Oh, yes, it's all about education. And
0: you and anytime it has I'm to like do with education. education of brown kids, there's <laughs> even way more politics involved.
1: <laughs> yes, more than you can imagine.
0: <laughs> okay so let's go back a little bit and I know that um, your background of course you are mexicana see and is that what you identify yourself as
1: yes I've always identified myself as a mexicana I was born in Mexico Uh, my parents are immigrants from Mexico and then so I always I was born with that sort of like Mexican identity Um, it was not until I was in college at Berkeley that um, sort of the became more uh, familiar uh, with the term Chicana and I also sort of, uh, growing up in L.A., I, I identify also, I identify with the identity of a Chicana, but when people ask me who I am, I just say you know Mexicana because that's how I identify. But I also identify as American, but I say Mexicana
0: for whatever reason. So we both grew up in the same area. We grew up in what was back then called uh, the western part of downtown L.A., mm-hmm. and then later on it became to be known as K-Town.
1: K-Town. There
0: you go. Koreatown. Uh, and you were in the heart of it. Rolo I was right Slash there. Normandy mm-hmm. Slash Eighth Street. Eighth yeah, Street. It, all it's, gangs it's huge. Gangs, everything. Yeah. Uh and then because uh, I was I was actually too, I was raised on, you know, Vermont and Ninth, and if nobody knows what that is, too, that's the outer parts of K Town too, but yeah, same area. Um let's talk about what it was to be a kid from K Town, a, 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 a mujer brown mujer, coming from K Town and then ending up with your of course, big brain at Berkeley. <laughs>
1: um, well, for me, I as as a, as a high schooler and, you know, 18, I was ready to just be free, <laughs> free from sort of um, as a woman, as a Mexicana, you know, there's certain things that you can and you can't do. You you have to obey your dad, you have to obey your mom, you have to do what you do. And I did that. And at 18, I was like, okay, I'm ready to just fly away from parental control, uh, particularly Mexican parental control, because there's sort of, there's a lot of preconceived notions of what a Mexicana is going to do, right? Either uh, you stay home and you go to college, and, and then when you get married, you leave the house. The only time you would leave the house is if you were married. And I was like, no, I'm ready to leave now. So... I had no notions of what Berkeley was. All I knew was that Berkeley was away from L.A. and away from my parents, although I loved them. It, I was ready to just fly away. Um, it, was, it was not until I got into Berkeley that I realized my brownness because I was really only the only brown student um, in many of these classrooms. And then that's when I started really to... So oh, I'm brown, I'm different. And so you sort of gravitate to other brown people um, because this is so much, so new. So that's when I, you know, that's when, like I said, I started uh, becoming very familiar with Mecha and being Chicana. And I was like, oh, and then the history, I took Chicano studies. And then that's when my political consciousness as a brown person really opened up because I didn't have that in high school. In high school, know, American history, I was a cheerleader. I was like being this... Um, and I was going to school in the valley so my identity as a high schooler was really a white person a white girl valley girl identity because that's who my friends were and but I also identified as a Mexicana so it was like two worlds that I was living in and at home I was a Mexicana but at school in high school I was you know cheerleader popular honors classes so I was with a different sort of group of students that i hung out with and then so when i got to berkeley it was different because i became very familiar with the chicano and also african-american history that wasn't taught at high school so my political consciousness as a person of color and also as a brown woman really opened up at berkeley and that's when i became familiar with the history of berkeley and what berkeley stood for and i'm like i'm at the right place um was for it
0: serendipity is that what I mean, because, I mean, you want to be free and you want to fly away from yeah. the traditional Mexican parental control. You you go to a party school or you go to, you went to Berkeley. Bro.
1: I went to Berkeley, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like,
0: that's not really being free. That's like another system of like where you have to fight hard to get out it, especially as a person of color. You know, Berkeley, is, of course, is really well known for being like, a lot of radicals have come out of there yes. there's been a lot of protests a lot my of my
1: boss my current boss was Bur you know went to berkeley Being woke, she, she was from, in the 60s yeah. you know yeah exactly Freedom but of speech.
0: berkeley's still hard you know and and i think that's one of the things that like when i went to community college because i was afraid to go to real college uh, i stumbled upon a lot of teachers that were like you know doing a lot of hard work in the community colleges to teach people about like identity. Like this is a history you've never heard of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's like that construct of like, wait, there's there's something beyond just this kind of history yeah. there's like you know the farm workers or you know black americans who built certain cities like chicago mm-hmm. and detroit mm-hmm. and it's like you don't hear about all that you know nope. the first woman millionaire who was a black woman yes in hair products you know even
1: um malcolm x malcolm x i wanted to do a history report in high school about malcolm x and my, per- my teacher said oh no that's not really part of american history you need to choose somebody else i was like what and that's in high school, I was like, okay, cool. But when I was in college, I was like, wait a minute. Malcolm X was like a revolutionary. I mean, he, yeah, I, well, I totally yeah. And I, you. that's the thing
0: I feel like why is brown people history not included in the history of America? And we've had so much to do with it. Exactly. I mean, nowadays, if, if somebody does a history of quarantine and COVID 19, let's talk about the farm workers that are still out there. Mm-hmm. You know, like those people are essential and they're not out there screaming, talking about, I need a haircut. They're picking the food that you are eating right now, that you are very lucky to they eat right sustaining now. Sustaining. Yes. They're sustaining <laughs> us in any way. Sustaining yes. us. Yes. You know, um, let's talk about that. Um, how is it that it takes us such a long time as Brown people to sort of find, especially in the city, like how to find our identity of who we are. Um, Not along talking about the lines of like, you know, queer, straight or gay, um, but who we are as people and how we fit in the city.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: What do you think is happening to us right now?
1: I think right now, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of us, a lot of, especially the younger generation, millennials have become very woke because they are in in a reality that is very contradictory um so i think a lot of and and it's opening up consciousness it's opening up people's minds but i think in general the way we're socialized into this society and a lot of it has to do with education how we're educated how we're perceived in the media how we see ourselves in the media so if we don't see ourselves in history if we don't see ourselves in tv in the movies or anywhere even in literature then we don't exist. What really is exists or we don't matter what really matters is this other narrative which is the you know white American narrative that is like this is US and then only the US history matters and only these people matter and nobody else matters so everybody's excluded. So as growing up you don't see yourself and you don't see yourself in the TV shows that you see. You don't even see yourself in the toys that you play, which mentally it, it conjures up this non-identity. You are what you see. You are what you see on TV. You are what they, the messages that you're getting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which is a very American perspective, a white perspective, um, like the American dream. Yeah. You know what I mean like that is what you're striving for um, and so that's why we're always very lost because but we I, don't I feel like people that. always
0: expect that of us as well too they, there's a role that we play as brown people even in education um, I always I'm always surprised because I feel like we we've gone so far as uh, as a people here in America but even in LA where people are supposed to be progressive I always get people saying, oh, man, I'm so amazed. Like, you got all these tattoos. You're like this guy from the hood, <laughs> and you have a college education. Exactly. And what is? And to me, it's like, what does a college education have to do with where I grew up or tattoos or the fact that I'm brown? Is it that you're surprised that, you know, this beaner got a, a degree <laughs> from an actual good school? Yeah. Uh, and so I feel like there is an ignorance that still lays around, that people just expect us to play that role. Like, oh, we just came up from our, you know, working hard and – in the, in the field or, or, working hard in the factories. Like, no, some of us went and got education segue into how the hell did you go from Berkeley and say, hey, well, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do at Berkeley and now I'm going to go to Columbia <laughs> and try to fight that good fight.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, when I was at Berkeley, um, I branched into new, I knowledge, new theories, new people, and for some reason, I was like, I met this one professor who said, um, I'm forgetting his name right now, he was an African American professor of studies, and he said, You know what? You need to get out of California. You need to go out of this state and learn and live in other states so you can see how other people live, because that's how you will learn how other realities, because I was telling him only, you know more different cultures and how different people live. And I was really interested in um, developing countries. And so he's like, you know what? Get out of California. Go somewhere. And then I said, "Is there?" and he asked me, is there anywhere you would love to go? And I've, growing up, I always had this fascination with New York. And I was like, actually, now that you say it, I've always wanted to go to New York, New York City. And he's like, go. And this is my freshman year at college. OK, so when he said that, I was like, OK, and it just stuck with me throughout the, all those four years or five years. No, four years at Berkeley, actually five. I did five years. Um, I always had I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to New York after this. It was always in my head. So when the opportunity came um, right towards the end of uh, my work, when I was going to graduate from Berkeley, I had this opportunity to go to New York and I took it. And I was like, Bye. So my parents, once again, my parents expected me to return to L.A. um, but I was not ready to come back to L.A. I felt I needed to see more, experience more. And 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 yeah, I wanted to know more. So New York was that exotic place that I wanted to go to and I went.
0: But I feel like even in your steps, how you're saying that you went from this place and then you got the opportunity, people that prepare a lot part of their life, can't get into Berkeley and a lot of them can't get into Columbia either and you (laughs) said I want to be free so you went to Berkeley and you said well I always wanted to go to New York and you went to Columbia and those are huge steps which also leads me to think there's a lot of people that can't get into those higher places of education and for uh, Latina Latina X Mexicana Chicana it's even harder yeah and for males it's much more harder because now statistically wise more women are going to the higher education and they're getting through higher education not just going into the big colleges but getting through and graduating where a lot of the males are not Mm -hmm. and so i feel like that in itself is an epidemic why do you think it's happening
1: well there is a lot of um campaigns and a lot of um uh, movements towards women's empowerment um and I think that we are myself, I am reaping the benefits of the women's empowerment um, back in, you know, in the sixties and seventies when women are, you know, rising and um, protesting and, you know, wanting equal pay. And um, so I think the, the doors were open more for women, but it also opened more doors for Latina women because our parents want expected that from us. I know for me my dad didn't want me to work. He's like, no, you're going to go to school, and you are going to be better than me. You're going to have a higher job than us. I. And I think our parents, especially our mothers, were really pushing us to elevate ourselves. And then also, from the background, we had the women's movement that also opened the doors. So a lot of us really were able to move up because that was um, sort of the the movement that started for a lot of women and it's particularly um, the black feminism. I mean, black uh, black women were out there, Chicana women were out there fighting, you know, and they were, because of their fight, it opened doors for a lot of us. And I feel
0: like I a think. lot of us have ignored the fact that, like, black movements and brown movements go hand-to-hand. Yes, they're <laughs> always and for some together. reason, we as people in LA don't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in our community, and I'm going to call them out, are very comfortable with saying the N word. Mm. Um, you know, me being a, a child of mixed uh, blood and having black blood in it, I don't feel comfortable saying that word. Um, and I didn't grow up like that. And I grew up around people saying that word all the time mm-hmm. who were black, but I never took that liberty or that comfortness where I was like, I can say that because I hang out with you guys. No. And I feel like uh, a lot of our Chicano, Mexicanos, Latinos, we don't have the right to say that word. You know, I I was I remember when I was seven years old and my mom used to work by the V eight hospital on Wilshire and being at a bus stop and I don't know what I was fiddling with and I was always trying to take things apart and do whatever. And I bumped into this old veteran white guy and he said he said, Don't touch me, you little nigger and I didn't react to it because I didn't have an idea of what that meant. And my mother got so upset and she screamed at her and the one thing she did she turned around and looked at me and said, Look, you're little You're brown you got nappy hair the world is not going to be nice to you so you're gonna have to deal with it and you're gonna be okay Mm -hmm. and that was sort of my first introduction into like own it just own it this is what you are but don't take those things for granted and you don't get the right to do things like call people certain things Mm -hmm. and so i feel like a lot of times people got real comfortable with saying these names and of course in our culture we always come up with other derivatives of that name and people used to say that all the time. And I thought to me, it was like, man, like we have black friends. We can't betray them by using these words. Where we don't have the right to it. That mm-hmm. We don't get a pass on that part. And so black movements and brown movements have never sort of sometimes have come together and done really great stuff. But if it wasn't for like, like a perfect example, the farm workers, the only way the farm workers were able to succeed was that they didn't just say, okay, all the Mexican farm workers were going to fight for this. No, they got the Filipinos, Filipinos. they got the other ones, Mm -hmm. they got black ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, and everybody got together and worked together. So if it wasn't for all these people getting together, this wouldn't happen. And that's the whole thing with, I think, the whole movement with Bernie was that he was bringing everybody together. You know, women, men, brown, white, gay, straight, everybody. Everybody. He was like, no, we don't need just one. Mm -hmm. And, And this is also... For all the white community as well, you know, you're not the enemy. No one's pointing a finger at you. Right. There's bigots in every race, but most of the bigots in America are tend to be one color. Yeah. Uh, and we want everybody to get together because the, the white community and the white male is not the enemy. They need to be an ally. Everybody yeah. needs to be an ally. Just like when women are going to things, men need to be allies. And mm-hmm. being an ally is not like, well, I don't do it and I'll stay quiet. Mm-hmm. No, you have to speak up. No, yeah. So you,
1: that's also being part of the brown problem.
0: People, stop saying the N word. <laughs> you're not allowed. You don't get a pass. I don't care where you grew up or what you're doing. You can be married to somebody that's black. You don't get to say the N word. That's just how it is.
1: Yeah, it's just a word. Even I mean, I grew up in the 90s, which was a big hip hop era, you know, and then the N word was, you know, it was in the the hip hop vernacular. It was there. They were using it. Um, and then, although I listened to that music, That word never came out of my mouth and maybe you know I've heard of it and I don't judge others for saying it I mean if it's because they also grew up in sort of that era and it's sort of part of their you know day-to-day vernacular or whatever but uh, for me knowing the history I mean I did a report on the Ku Klux Klan when I was in high school I mean I wanted to know stuff and what I learned from that and the images I saw was uh, was just astounded and I couldn't believe that it was actually part of our history and that word for me represents those lynchings and that continue to this day. Um, so for me, you know, it's just not a word that comes out uh, but then again, I, you know, I try not to judge but yes, it's a word that... Um, I guess, really it belongs to the African-American community because they've really, you know, it was a word that was used against them and it's still a word that's being in a very derogative way. And if we participate in that, then we're also part of that. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: What, uh, what's one of the biggest misconceptions about brown people here in L.A.?
1: Um, I think that, that we're articulate. Like we can actually, like you said earlier, it's like, oh, you're this and people are impressed by you. With me, they'll look at me and then they immediately, I don't know what people perceive me when they see me, but when I open my mouth, they say, oh, well, that's a great idea. And even when I was working and I would say something, it's like, you are so articulate. Well, thank you. And they were like threatened by me because I was educated. And yet they were not threatened by me before meeting me because they already felt, oh, you know, I'm just going to tell her what to do. She's not going to say anything. She probably doesn't know about the subject we're talking about. So I'm just sort of dismissing me already. Oh, yeah. she's brown. Okay. I already put you in a category. You're dismissed. Next. But then when I actually speak up, they're like, you can see, you could immediately see it in their faces. Like, whoa, she actually has something to say and she's smart. So I think the preconceived is we have no ideas, we're not creative, we're not articulate, we're not educated, um, and we're ghetto. And yes, we may be all that, but we're not all that, you know?
0: Anyways, that's not so. just what we are. Exactly, <laughs> it's
1: not just what we are, but I think that's yeah. what it is.
0: And that and I feel like code switching is, 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 it drives a lot of people crazy, and a lot of people, I mean, some people have told me, like, I, I won't do it, you know, this is who I am, and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I think, like, you know, I, I think that it's our, it's our way of making other people feel comfortable with who we are, but at the same time, I feel like Code Switch has its benefits where in a way you can be like, look, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And yes, I am educated and maybe that surprises you, <laughs> but you're gonna have to deal with it. And guess what? I'm also intelligent. And there's other stuff that you're gonna have to deal with. And I get that at work too. I mean, I meet a lot of people who are producing stuff and I feel like, um, you know, filmmakers have been around different kinds of people but yet there's still some people that are surprised that, you know, the knowledge that other people may have. And, you know, we are not the color they are. And, and we can be black or brown or even a woman. And I deal with that at work a lot where a lot of people question the women that I work with. we like, do you really know what you're talking about? And then they look at me and I say, well, I don't know. You ask her. She's the one that knows. Right. You know? And, and I want them to recognize that, that it's like you came to ask an expert how to do something to, you know, make something happen and she's telling you but you look at her like "Mm, i don't know and then you look at me and i'm still wondering like wow that's amazing i didn't know that right right so i think it's hard for us to shake sometimes our identity but we do are able to do it when we can speak in a way where they now feel less threatened and i you know it's sad that we have to do that but sometimes it's it's a way for us to connect and i think that the more that people come to L.A. and the more that they get used to living in certain communities, they're going to have to recognize that we are just like them. Uh, We're just a different shade. And sometimes, you know, we get called out by other brown people for being too white.
1: Or hanging out with too many.
0: Or hanging out with too many white people. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people... The same thing where they try to b- pull the brown card you know you're in an interracial relationship and they're like oh you know you're,
1: you're no longer you're no part, longer one of us yes. like why
0: why don't you hang out with, and you're in a kind of interracial relationship but he's still part latino right guatemalan and thai
1: thai and... which created
0: a beautiful child <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> and super smart as well mm. Joaquin is, is uh, probably one of the brightest kids I've met in a long time. He was asking a lot of questions when he was very little. And oh. I thought, oh, man, they're going to be in trouble. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not about to answer all those questions. <laughs> um, but, you know, especially me, and, uh, you know, I get that a lot. But, of course, in a lot of ways, it's like, you know, I don't, you know, we don't choose what we do and who we do. Um and i don't know it sounded kind of crude but you know nice <laughs> <bloke. laughs> no, i got you nice and simple <laughs> it <can't be> uh, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> <laughs> um but i think that like brown people love to point out other things and say look you're doing this and you're doing that and that yeah you're being very white and it's like man if you just knew like we live this kind of lifestyle we live lavish lifestyle in other countries not here you know if you go to tj there's golf courses in tj mm-hmm. brown people have been playing golf for a very long time yeah. this is not a new thing Brown people know how to how to live right. And so right. doing these things that you're doing, things, you yeah. can't call us out on being white. Like, look, okay. we enjoy things that everybody else enjoys. How about that? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And I think it's because they're uncomfortable with something that they either are threatened by. And so when they see somebody else doing something that maybe they want to do and they don't. I don't know. I think maybe... Other people may feel, oh, I yeah, se quiere mucho, and then they try to bring you down. You know, it's a, also a, a way of bringing you down to um, someplace that makes them comfortable. You know what I mean? So dealing with other people's egos. Yeah. Um, and, then the, and then, I don't know, they feel like, oh, she's successful or he's successful or he's reached or she's reached a level that I'm not in, so therefore I feel less than them, but then I'm going to bring them down and say, hey, you're acting white, you're not Latino anymore. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's just like trying not, you know, I try not to let other people's realities of who they feel, how they perceive me to affect me. And then it's taken a while for me to do that. Um, Because growing up, yeah, I got that. It's like, oh, you're hanging out with too many black people. You're hanging out with too many white people. I was like, well, I'm just hanging out with people. I'm learning from other people. That's the only way we're going to get to know each other is if I learn African-American history and I hang out with them and I, you know, share bread with them. And the only way I'm going to get to know white people and for them to get to know me is if I am also, you know, having discussions with them and talking to them and stuff like that. But this
0: isn't friends. Like, there's people of all colors here. There's all colors there's people of what colors in New York? There's people yes. of colors everywhere. Like we're we're yeah. in this melting pot, whether we like it or not. I mean, right now we're in Highland Park. Yeah. And you've been in Highland Park longer than I have, um, and you've seen it gentrified. But like, you know, before there was these cool places, and there was these white people up here. There was just brown people. Yeah,
1: brown. It was just brown. And,
0: brown. and Highland Park had a history of there being no black people, because there was a lot of violence with black and Mexican. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah. yeah racial and so now, like conflict. when I when I walk around Highland Park and I walk around a lot. And I see black people coming into the neighborhood and owning houses to me. It's like awesome. Yes. Now we're mixing.
1: Yes. I'm like, Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, now, and, you know? and the thing
0: is like, you can't stop gentrification. Yeah. And I said it before, there's two sides of it. And I'm also a gentrifier because I grew up in K town and then I moved here and I'm paying a lot for a house that somebody was living for really cheaply before. Mm-hmm. But at least I'm not trying to change the community. I'm not here saying, well, the neighbors are doing too this or doing that or like it smells like barbecue all the time and the, right, like right. I know that this is what this neighborhood was before and mm-hmm. so I'm just gonna be a part of it. Right. And so having people of color move into the neighborhood always feels good because it's like, okay, at least we're keeping it. Right. We might be losing some of the restaurants and some restaurants I'm not so sad that they left. <laughs> so come on. Let's me just go. be truth, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there used to be a a, a town a restaurant down the street that I used to call sombrero town. Oh, but, that one right yeah, there in the corner. But, but it wasn't that bad of a restaurant. Their margaritas were amazing. You just needed two, and then you can just wobble your way home. But uh, but the food was like, eh. Yeah. It was
1: and okay.
0: when it went, I wasn't that sad. And uh, the only fear I had was like, oh, it's going to get replaced by something weird that I'm never going to go to.
1: Right.
0: Ironically, it got replaced by another pseudo-Mexican restaurant I'm not going to name, but it wasn't very good. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. So right. it's like, oh, I... I would rather be some place that was giving out uh, avocado toast. That would have been better. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> At least I can enjoy that. <laughs> At least I can enjoy avocado toast, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: and some mimosas. But now I have to deal That's with some weird Mexican food that I'm like, this isn't. This, just don't do it. Don't. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's Can't, not gonna work yeah. out. Yeah. You mess up tacos, then you shouldn't be doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah.
1: can. And you know, they're not gonna last. Yeah. Especially course, around here. Yeah.
0: Highland Park is like well known for its taco trucks, and and we got for some reason one of the most. What are, or one of the biggest vegan movements in trucks mm-hmm. and, and, and you know like lunch trucks that we've ever had anywhere else um you know it started with two mexicanas that did you know vegan fridays one was cena and the other one i uh, you know it eludes me i know people are gonna say you know how dare you um <laughs> but then it became like this whole thing and i think that gentrification is a dual-edged sword and how do you think since you've been here longer how do you think Highland Park has changed or how do you think L.A. has changed since you've come back? I...
1: Um, I just, you know, we all want to s- s- go back home and and just see the old houses that were there and the neighbors and, oh, and then the stores over there and you come back and it's all gone, you know, and then, yes, you feel nostalgic and you feel sad, but and then you understand that things have to change and, cities have to progress and um, you know California or is one of the you know highest economies in the world the fifth highest economy and then I understand that but however it doesn't progress or development hasn't doesn't have to come at the cost of angelinos or angelinos that have been living here for decades or oh, generations and gentrification because our, our society is so economically um, uh, the inequality you know the structure system the poverty level because it's so ingrained in our society unfortunately gentrification it goes against that you know population or that group of um, Angelinos here that are able to live here, you know, because there's rent control or because they, you know, they're able to live here because they have a good job. But when that is gone, then it just seems like they're just sacrificial. um, They're just a sacrifice. Oh, you know, we need progress. And unfortunately there's some people that just, you know, not going to make it and they just have to leave. It's like, well, no, it doesn't have to be that way. We can have progress having safety nets, or at least addressing the issues, um, of of economics in a very just way and fair way. But the way it's done, it's just like, it's just profit. It's not personal. I was like, no, wait a minute. It is personal because I have a history here and this is my social network. And when you break that down, you break down the family, you break down a community and unfortunately that community is our brown community and our african american community that is really being destroyed and that's the part that really hurts although i understand that yes we we need housing and there's a shortage of housing and this is why but it's becoming at a cost of people's livelihoods of people's well-being
0: And And also, neighborhoods, I think. And neighborhoods. The things that you love about a neighborhood are disappearing. And And it's it's like, you know, uh, look at Echo Park. You know, look at even K Town got taken over as well in some parts. I mean, there's reasons why uh, groups in Lamert Park have taken action and bought their own property so they don't get pushed out anymore. Yes. You know, first of all, the black community has been pushed around the city so much in different places. And then people are now liking their areas and saying, well, now let me take over. I mean, there's a big movement of people going into Englewood where people are saying like, you know, the first cupcake store that we get and we're done Mm -hmm. and now there's two. Yeah. So it's, it's dangerous to see neighborhoods and people saying, oh, I like all these new restaurants, but you know, a lot of the times if certain amount of people are, are going to be excluded from being able to afford those restaurants.
1: From the progress,
0: or from the progress of what's happening, then now you're losing the relationship of what the community was about. It, you can't come into a neighborhood and say, "Oh, this, I love this neighborhood," and then change it, because then it changes to something completely different. Yeah. Um, and there's always going to be pushback as well. You know, there's uh, there's reasons why people are, are you know commenting on boards saying, you know, if you didn't like the neighborhood, if you didn't like what's happening here, why did you move here? You know, and it's hard. I mean, another thing that worries me too is also because this neighborhood is changing what happens to the kids? You know, the education. uh, Is it going to get better for them? Because some schools have been neglected because of the area. The area used to be bad. And now that more families that are not Latino are moving in, maybe there's more money coming in. Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? It's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it changes dynamics. It changes the energy of a place. Um, But I think... I think what we have to learn is as a community, even if you're coming in from someplace else, is, you know, instead of changing, you know, be part of it. Instead Get of to know to, it. Get to know it.
0: You know, shop at the liquor stores or the little markets. Get to know the people in the neighborhood. Yeah, get yeah. to
1: know the people. Rather than come in and be like, oh, I'm going to change it. I don't like it. Get to know the people. They will love to get to know you, too, and be like, hey, let me give you the history. Let me give you the rundown of the place. Um, and then that's how you start building a new community within a community um, yeah i mean there's some areas that i've seen in Highland Park that that is happening yeah. you know co- neighbors are coming together where i live you know we have like a, a text thread with you know within a two block radius because you know we're starting to get to know each other and talk to each other and they're new neighbors or neighbors that have been there for a long time nice. but we're building sort of like we're getting to know each other and yeah. that's good and then there's other areas that there's just they're the police has to be there all the time because a neighbor called in on another neighbor because the music was on too loud or or because they don't like their rooster there and they want their rooster out. And I was like, well, wait a minute. The rooster there was there before you if, were. If y'all didn't know,
0: there is a lot of roosters and chickens in Highland yeah, Park. And, yeah. and now that uh, I've been walking around the neighborhood a lot, too get my uh, 12,000 steps each day. <laughs> um, I've noticed that Highland Park is an ab- has an abundance of orange trees, k- kumquats, yeah, kumquats, and roosters. And roosters. So, something going on. Some, somehow, 20 years or 15 years ago, someone said, orange trees for sale. Uh, here's some kumquats for free. And here's your free rooster. And, and your free rooster.
1: There's at least a, a rooster in each block. Yeah. You can at least. See and another. everywhere I
0: walk, I'll see like a rooster flying, and it's not a. a, a and
1: peacocks.
0: And peacocks. Too yeah. What's going on with the peacocks I have down here? No but, idea.
1: For some reason, you know, the peac- somebody, peacocks.
0: Somebody, somebody must just have been up. like, you know, what this neighborhood needs? It's a wandering peacock. A wandering peacock. It has no owner. <laughs> but the coyotes love it. They come down, and, and I can see them, you know, uh, trying to figure out what they're going to eat. Yeah. There's so much animals for, up in this neighborhood. Babies. Um. Let's segue into something much more different, but it's still equally important. Uh, How important is food in our lives?
1: Oh, my God.
0: And I'm asking you this question because um, you have the virtue of having a chef in your family. My pops. And your dad, (laughs) yeah. And he is an amazing chef. Uh, He was an executive chef for Atlas that was on Wilshire. Um, But as far as I can remember as a kid, your dad always made... Some of the most amazing food, and would explain it to me in a way where, at the time, I couldn't comprehend. Now, I wish that I had just shut the hell up and listened to everything he said because now I cook, and it's a little bit harder for me mm-hmm. to learn how to get to to the point that I get. And I'm not a bad cook myself, but he was amazing. He showed me how to do things and so that I was like, "Wow!" Like, you know, there's kids right now masturbating, and I'm learning how to do this. <laughs> that's the extreme people masturbation Masturbation and learning how to cook with a chef. Yeah. All right.
1: Sushi being a sushi. Yeah.
0: How important is this food to us?
1: Oh, it's so important. It's such a big part of our lives and we take it so for granted, even with our mother's cooking it's like, Oh, that's just my mom's soup. Or as a kid, you don't realize that that is like some homemade stuff that when you grow up, you're going to miss it and you're going to love it and you're never going to find it anywhere because that came from el sazon de tu madre, and that's authentic Mexican food, yeah. that's authenticity. Yeah. You know, And as you grow up, you're always looking for that authenticity because that was such a big part of your life. It's so ingrained in, in our brains, in our palates, in our, in our smells, like our, all of our senses is around food. And as Mexicans, or even Latinos, that is food essential is that's when the family gets together and we make big meals and you know and and we all get together and we eat and it's 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 just full of and the tortillas you know you get a tortilla and you put like you know, you make your taco, everything, you know, it, it opens up the senses. And I that's why senses, a you know? lot of
0: people get sad when they leave L.A. and they go somewhere else because they feel like the Mexican food is not the same. Yeah,
1: it's not the same. Even tortillas Even are not when, the same. Even when no I was thing. in New York
0: with you and we went to that little one block that had the Mexican food. Yeah. And I thought, this is the saddest thing ever. And I know that there's a lot of Mexicans in in, in, uh, in New York. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's, you know, it's hugely Dominican and uh islander and puerto rican and some cuban in in new york and that's their thing but it was just like a block of mexican food and it didn't look like anything that i had ever eaten before and I, um and there's something about la mexican food yeah that's like i've heard you know i had a friend who's from canada who moved to another state and was like man i miss mexican food not anything else except for mexican yeah food and, and you know and of course the weather because you know Boy, it's la California weather can so You are married to a half Central American man. So let me ask you this question Bolillos or tortillas? Shit,
1: tortillas. Oh,
0: <laughs> he hasn't converted you yet, right? <laughs> still oh, pinto beans, yet. no black beans for you?
1: I'm still doing the pinto beans. Oh, I mean, dang. I'll make some black beans from uh, you know. Uh, he, actually, he makes his own. So he makes his own beans, so I don't have to really. Okay, so, then, <laughs> so that settles that. Yeah. But I've Central American
0: been... kids, we don't we don't mess with the brown beans. Yeah. We, and they don't call us. it
1: bolillos, they call it.
0: Pirujos. pirujos, yeah, pirujos. yeah and the, that was That's it. the Central American <laughs> way, yeah. Yeah, pirujos, Bolillos like, is more like the educated way, like, the, Bolillos, Bolillos. like when people are like, "Oh, let me get a baguette," and then people are like, oh, <laughs>
1: "Baguette, baguette, <laughs>
0: exactly." <laughs> you know, so we're like, "Oh, can I get a bolillo, por favor?" You know, I know, where it's yeah. like, "No, pirujo." Pirujo, yeah. yeah. But yeah,
1: but we always have a, one of those with a guatemal and tamal. That's always they go hand in hand. So for so there, what's the I difference don't bring between
0: the a Mexican tamal? And a watermelon tamal for our, our non-brown friends.
1: It um, well, it's basically how what, what it's made with and the consistency. So with the Mexican tamal, you have like a nice thick corn meal consistency. With and then in the Mexican, you just add like a little thing in the middle. So it's, you have like a meat, and then it's wrapped around in a corn. So it's cooked. It's the consistency is just different, and they're smaller. The Guatemalan or even the Salvadorian, um, and
0: there's a Salvadoran. difference between Guatemala and Salvadorian, by the way. Well, well. Yeah, because well, a lot of people, a lot of people.
1: Are did... they all both made with the banana leaf?
0: Yeah, they're all yeah. made with the banana leaf. They're almost they're almost constructed the same way, but there's something about how Salvadorians put in there the stuff that they put in there, where Guatemalans don't. And I think we get criticized by Salvadorians. I mean, even though we're the same people, sometimes I think s- Central Americans like to kind of get together and be like, oh, we're, we're one people, but there's still <laughs> some differences. There's still some, some yeah, divisions. Because I don't know what Nicaraguans eat, and that's something that, like, I would need to know. Yeah, you know. would we'll love to you know, Hondureños yeah. also as well. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I guess because in L.A. we grew up with so many uh, Salvadorians, especially in the Pico Union area, mm-hmm. where, like, a lot of the Central Americans went to populate. Uh, we know about that. And it's mainly because I think a lot of times people had a problem. Like Mexicans had a problem with Central Americans coming in because they were now taking the places that a lot of the Mexicans used to take. Right. So, but food also separates us in a well. But I kid you not, I know a lot of Mexicans that love pupusas. Oh, so, shit. Yeah, i one the of them. Pupusas, the <laughs> LA has right pupusas. now probably some of the best food. And we've always had really good, you know, Latino food and brown people food. It was just never something that everybody ate. And mm-hmm. I think with the the sort of exploration of our of our um, non Latino friends going, oh my god, I had the best pupusa, and you're like, what? Well, you, you just can't said tell pupusa. Me about pupusa. I know, right? I'm like, like how oh, dare you? Let
1: me tell you about pupusa. What do you know? And
0: then they tell you, and they're like, oh shit, that is a good place. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you went
1: to the yeah, right place. All right, yeah, yeah, all right. So I like, touch you well. It's
0: funny too when I hear my white friends are like, nah, nah, don't go to that place. Uh, they have the worst tacos. You got to go to this place. And I'm like, what for real? And then I go and I'm like, damn, he was right. <laughs>
1: See, and then that's the other thing that, you know, people are being more open to other cultures and um, they're trying, they're eating menudo. I was like, oh, I had menudo. I was like, oh, my God, he actually said menudo. So we, as brown people, are becoming very shocked or very amazed that a white person is actually speaking our same lingo, and I love it. And and I'm like, okay, that is the embracement we need. That is what we want from you, rather than us always have to come to you and learn your ways and know your...
0: Um... But I also feel like it, it, there's some times where people come to this city and they don't want to know about the things. Yeah. They don't want to be sort of associated. They know that there's brown people here and they're like, oh, I'm nice, I'm not a racist. But then they're afraid to sort of coexist in that world or sort of adventure into it where other people come in and be like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, yeah. I went to this place. And, and I love when someone says, what is this? can you tell me what this mm-hmm. is or can you tell me what that is and then they're open to it
1: yes it's an openness yeah. you know you've got to be open to all these things rather than just it, resisting it it's like, almost like you, you know when,
0: when you know you, you sort of you don't know something and instead of being afraid of it and ignoring it you're like well I'm going to try this for some time that was my explosion to mayonnaise where I'm like oh, I'll, I'll try some mayonnaise <laughs> <laughs> it's not my thing but it, it I understand what it does um I feel like it's the same way with veganism. Mm-hmm. And people would be so afraid of being vegan nowadays if it wasn't for the fact that there were some brave souls out there saying, "I can make Mexican food vegan. vegan. Mm-hmm. I can make Asian food vegan. I can make some Thai vegan." And and now it's like amazing. I mean, before, I remember one Thanksgiving you brought in a, a tofurkey <laughs>
1: because I was a vegetarian. And I would look at it and
0: I was thinking that must be the saddest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god! I I've I ventured like, into that world yeah, for a bit. You were
0: brave, and I was like, oh man, she almost ruined Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, and, it, I'm, and you. Oh man, that was the worst with my pops though.
0: Yeah, and I, I was, And so oh. now, like, it's funny too because when when your dad asked me about my girlfriend being vegan, uh, and I said, you know, there's all these places here, and I said to him, you know, there's this Mexican restaurant, Cena, that's doing vegan stuff. He looked at me like I was saying something weird. I know. I and did. I was like, no, for real, it's probably some mm-hmm. of the best Mexican food I ever said and yeah. I know he twitched a little like oh, I'm, I'm going to sp- Punch you in the face.
1: <laughs> like do. <"Dude>, stop speaking, <laughs> please. Please stop. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, but I went through that. I was like, no. I think it really made him really sad that I was not eating his food because all of his food. But then later he started making vegetarian stuff for me. Like no food. He's like, Mira, te dejé esto un lado. No tiene carne y ese sí tiene and carne. And he's
0: like, when you give him a challenge like that, he he, he goes a little far. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. T- you
1: know. And then so I guess it took him a while to understand. It's like, okay. They, and it was that it was a phase, and it wasn't a phase. But then it ended because I got pregnant, and then I wanted to meet, and then I started yeah, eating babies, meat, babies, and that was uh, the end we'll of my. Yeah. That was the end of my vegetarianism, and I haven't been able to go back. But I do have some days that I have. I will but eat, it was it was nice meat. to go to
0: Thanksgiving dinner and and then having him tell you know my girlfriend who's white and yeah. a vegetarian and a vegan mm-hmm. like oh get this because this doesn't have any meat and I yeah. made it like this and I was like wow like I told. you know since we got together i told her like i grew up with this family and and this man cooked all the time and it was some of the best food that you can find at restaurants in the house yeah yeah and i never you know like i probably couldn't afford to eat some of the places that he was a chef at but i was able to eat eat it at the home as a kid and so uh for her to go and eat his food and then he to say hey this is vegan and i made it so you can have some it blew my mind and it yeah. also she was like, Oh my god, this is so amazing and I was like, This is how I grew up, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like and that's that's the difference. Sometimes I think with people thinking that, you know, when you go to a restaurant, people think, Oh, man you don't know what this is. This is amazing. This is <laughs> like fine dining. It's like fool. Please. I've had fine dining. I find dining, okay. cuz I was like thirteen. So <laughs> I've had down. some Yeah.
1: Well the stuff I made.
0: Yeah. Uh, so with that said, let's get into some questions and I think it's a little bit more cultural. Of course, how important is music in our lives? And what is the deal with Morrissey?
1: Um, I ask everybody this. I don't know why he came out and started saying, "What, what is he like a Trump supporter or something yeah. or something?" I was like, I, I feel like
0: brown people supported him for so long, and then now his we are colors
1: are coming. We out. are
0: like, wait, he was racist all the time. and was like, mm.
1: he was just living off of our money.
0: <laughs> I mean, he was happy he was getting that brown cash, exactly. Yeah, but now he's like, I don't know. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions since this is going to be like my lightning round. You ready? Mm. I'm going to say some words. You tell me what you think. I ask everybody this. Right, no, it might be boring, but no, here I'm we sorry. go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hoop earrings.
1: Um, I like them. Not too big. Can be a little ghetto. You have to watch where you wear them.
0: Ah, like in certain places you yeah. can wear them. Okay. Yeah. Like I wouldn't do it at work. Too aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Elotes and street oh, elotes. Oh
1: my God, I'm all over those elotes. If I see an elote man, I will run to him, I will drive and be like, señor, señor. I love him, everything.
0: And, and the funny thing is now, like my girlfriend, when she sees it, she'll ask. Oh, does he have elotes? Yeah. Like we'll, we'll just see, she'll see a cart and she won't, you know. Because sometimes it's raspados or other stuff and Herduro, champurado or all that like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, Joaquin too, well, I think with that segue to raspados.
1: Ooh, love raspados. It's something about
0: that big block and that guy's just,
1: and then him just scraping it down. That is so old school. I'm like raspados all the way.
0: And then champurrado.
1: Yes. I love champurrado. Why?
0: I don't know. I I think it's just like porridge in a cup.
1: It can be if you make it really thick. But if you make it like with a different consistency that is not thick, it can be so yummy. And so I think it's because it reminds me of Elmer's
0: glue. What? You know, like Elmer's glue. Yeah. But if it was brown.
1: (laughs) 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 No, I love. I'll make you one. You're going to be like, what? I
0: don't know. But I'm afraid because sometimes they put cinnamon in it and I'm allergic. So no. uh, uh, All right. o menudo.
1: Dude, I'm a pozole because my dad would make this awesome pozole and nothing else compares to that. I like, and I also love menudo because growing up in Mexico, my grandma would take me to China, and she had the un puesto, she had like this little stand and I was menudo. And then, so, but for me, it's pozole.
0: Was that like a central market?
1: No, she would open only at night for like dinner time. At her house? Uh, no, it was like a little puesto right outside of her house.
0: Oh dang. Yeah,
1: and uh, you could only like five people could sit there at a time. So your grandma was, was like, like street
0: vending when street vending wasn't a thing.
1: Oh oh. Mexicans were street vending when that's just that's just the life. economy. That was just life. But <laughs> that's now just Mexican now it's just a thing and yeah. they see that has been acculturated, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even the taco trucks. Yeah. The taco trucks were all like Latinos and Mexicans. Now everyone their mama has one. I was like,
0: Well I remember you know what like mean? my grandma Was selling uh, at the Grand Central Market in Guatemala. Yeah, and she had a thing. She sold everything, like medicine and all kinds of. And she had a lot of women hygiene stuff, which was really, I mean, really weird because uh, uh, at the time. Like I, I noticed that there wasn't a lot of things about like women hygienes that were out there, mm-hmm. and my grandma kept in business by just supplying mm. all that stuff. And she yeah. was, and now that I think about it, like everybody's like with their little Etsy and their e-commerce, and my grandma was just like doing it off a booth. And she was exactly. like, "Yo, like I know there's a need for women's hygiene stuff, so I'm gonna get that stuff." Mm-hmm. So, you know, shout out to my grandma. Yeah, shout out, uh, Selena. Selena,
1: Selena. Why do we?
0: Why do we? I love Selena. Love Selena so much.
1: She was, she died. So she she died right at the 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 pinnacle of her career. You know what I mean. So she became that legend. Like it's almost as if her life just stood there, and we just hold on to it.
0: Because brown and we don't people want, and
1: we don't want to let it go.
0: Brown people love her so much, and you have to understand that Selena grew up in Texas, so she was you know more American.
1: Yeah. She she her Spanish was not good. No, at all. it wasn't, at, mean, all. It was yeah, it wasn't cool. at all. Yeah, it wasn't at
0: all. And like my mom knew everything about her. And I'm like, Mom, like who is this girl? Like and then when I would hear her do interviews, I'd be like, Oh, she doesn't speak Spanish at all. Yeah. So like, she's just learned it. Um what about Walter Mercado?
1: Oh, Walter Mercado. Oh my god.
0: I remember every Sunday him coming on.
1: Him coming on and like his extravagance and that was really what would appeal to you because it was this is said a man is there a woman I don't know but he, look, he looks heavenly he looks like free and he just was this persona or this character that was nowhere else and that you saw nowhere else so you sort of gravitated to that and then and he was just everybody listened to him and he seemed to be saying something, but you didn't understand what he was saying. But it was cool.
0: <laughs> like just like Juan Gabriel,
1: Oh. where manga. people were
0: like, "I know people knew he was gay." Oh yeah. But nobody cared because the man would sing these songs, and he would make grown men who were straight, quote yeah. unquote, cry. Yes. I mean, the guy had that much magnitude that his songs were so epic. And I mean, even even as later years, he was you know, I have a lover, and this is my lover. He would fill up all kinds of concert halls just yes. i mean even in la he like he like destroyed the forum
1: yeah he had yeah. that charisma he had that je ne sais quoi that people were just if anything he had that passion and you could feel it in his songs and when he sang you you felt it and his voice was just so beautiful and his words are beautiful. They were just, it was like poetry. Yeah. And, and then he was also saying like, no, I know it. And then my, my aunt would dance to that and I would dance to it. And it, it, he just brought you joy. Basically. I think that's what it was. Charisma and joy. So I love that guy. Now let's talk about recipes. my favorite
0: part. These are the last words right here. Uh, Lucas candy. Who's that? The little pato, patito, candy.
1: Oh, (laughs) I don't think I was really into that.
0: It it was like weird because it was like fat syringes that you would squeeze this go into your mouth and it was a lot of sugar. And I remember people just would suck on them all day. And I thought it was gross. I never
1: did that.
0: Uh, It's funny now because I I feel like they're in stores now and it's almost like a funny thing. Mm -hmm. And the only people I actually see getting them nowadays are (laughs) non-Latino people. Because they're like, oh, these are the Mexican candies that everybody was talking about. And, and sometimes I, I want to like, be like, bro, that's gross. Like but then I'm like, no, it's cool. Go case. for it. Yeah, yeah enjoy eat it. That shit. Yeah, yeah, eat it. it. Eat it. Eat it yeah. up. <laughs> tajin. Tajin is... Is tajin our spice or, or is it just like a...
1: It's a blend. I don't even know
0: what it is anymore. I feel like tajin is like Mexican pepper.
1: Yeah, it's like a blend. Mexican black pepper. But it's a, yeah, like it gives you a little ting, it's a kind of lemony. Yeah. And it gives peppery taste and it just brings you know what it does? It just brings bland fruit or or you know, like to life. Like hikama. Hikama is like sucks. But if you put some tahini in it, oh my god, like
0: chicamani could... glass.
1: Oh he hi... oh I don't know. What's hikamani? Oh damn. I think it's just chickama <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: but just like white root It's like fruit. a white
1: root fruit. It looks like a potato, it has no flavor,
0: but but it has yeah, a lot of water in it. it
1: has it's, yeah, it's a lot of water, but and people eat it. I know my mom put limón y sal, yeah, and I was okay. But then when you put tahini, it's just like oh my god, because I, I remember
0: when I was a kid, my mom made pepinos and she would just put lemon and salt, mm-hmm. and I thought that was great. I was like oh, this is the best shit ever. And then one day something happened, and there was tahini on the table, and I think I tapped it and it fell into fell. the pepinos, and it was like crazy at my house everybody was like oh shit put the heat all over that shit you I know, know. And it was like, all fuck? of a
1: sudden you and I'm sure my mom wrong. had done it
0: before she had put the jino on it mm-hmm. but for some reason I had never noticed it until I hit it in there and I was like this is the best shit
1: ever. yeah I don't know where it popped up from but it really yeah. helped us out
0: <laughs> and agua frescas
1: I love agua frescas but what
0: is it with us when we pass by agua frescas like I feel like every single time I go somewhere and there's Agua Fresca, like my mind goes like, "Okay, what should I get?" I want
1: all of them. I want oh. this one, I want that one. And then and now one. they're
0: doing the pepino, which is a cucumber Pepe- with uh, with watermelon with the uh, pineapple water which is amazing yeah. and I think that's a new thing but it's it's the best it's thing ever sure. but before I would do the melon or I would do the hamica and stuff like that
1: and it's really easy to make it, it, it is it is, so is. but when simple. you see it
0: somewhere in a big those big old ja- glass jars. like barrel uh-huh. shaped jars it's almost like looking at this like like a Slurpee. You know? It's just like, oh my God, look at that. That's so I great. think it
1: takes you back as your childhood because as yeah. a kid, you see it, you're like, oh, it's so refreshing. As an adult, when you see it again, it brings back that memory. And, and the
0: irony is like it, even in this neighborhood, even in Highland Park, there's like three juice places. I It used to be a, like a brown people thing that we used to just go in there and hee hee hee, we got this magic stuff going on. But now I'm, I'm the lines are getting longer because non-brown people are getting in there. Mm-hmm so I think that like it's catching on how great it was um, well that's all the time we have thanks for coming I'm, I'm so happy that I got to interview you yeah and, this was a great conversation uh, I hope that uh, you'll be at the forefront for
1: uh, we tackled a lot I mean it was a lot of the yeah, issues gentrification yeah, in and of itself I is know. a whole I mean, I to.
0: Th- I want to feel like uh, like Tupac said I hope there's hope for the future and the future is these kids and education and the politics that are going to help us change it you know
1: yeah, I'm very hopeful for the future. I think we've um there's a lot of political activity and movement. I think Bernie really opened up people's minds and I think he really helped us understand that like you said, there's a lot of commonalities among us. There's a lot of things that we share, a lot of realities that we share and that is what should bind us together and not our differences which is our skin color that's very are, are
0: there more brown politicians coming up helping us out with this
1: i really hope so i'm very hopeful that um there are a lot of leaders on, in our community that are coming up that i want to help that want to be a difference and then we have to help them and then um, if anything i'm really help there to make that happen
0: you might be one of those right hopefully yeah <laughs> all right, let's see it thanks a lot all right see you guys later thanks for listening please leave a like and a comment Follow us on Instagram at being brown in LA. And remember, if you don't see color, you don't see beauty.